guys, welcome to to their bonus podcast. We had a, a short warm up with with August discussing some stuff, and now we get to the official part of the podcast. Yeah, where we say hello and we say thank you for listening uh, and supporting us. And right, we have a lot of interesting topics to cover uh, because Mid-season. we're kind of midway th- through the regular season, and the second part of the season already started. Uh, so, f- but first of all, of course, I want your reactions to the El Clasico game. Uh, yesterday, mm. Real Madrid lost their second game of the season. <coughs> uh, they played away in Palau Blaugrana. Uh, the atmosphere was fantastic. Uh, Barcelona fans were really up for it. And Barca took the W. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in the recent weeks, there were a lot of rumors about Roger Grumau. And that maybe he's on a hot seat because they lost some games uh, down 20 in Monaco, down 20 in Malaga. So this was a huge win for Barcelona. Uh, what are your takes about this game? What do you think Barca did right to to finally beat Real Madrid? I liked your picture that you sent us to the group chat after the game yeah. without <laughs> even seeing it. It was uh, Roger Grimau's face and the name was Masterclass. Yeah, it's, and it, You guessed it without even watching the game actually yeah because i was working with, with with football at the time but yeah that's a i would say a pretty popular meme in football context like because they have this coach's voice thing and and they do a segment where a coach explains with a tactical board how he won mm-hmm. some important game and they present it with with the, say that head coach's uh, photo and and saying that's like jose Mourinho's masterclass. so I just photoshopped Roger Grimau's face okay. on it and and writ, written uh, Roger Grimau's masterclass. I think I used it for the first time when they beat Part- Partizan in Stark Arena. Mm. And now they win the El Clasico game. A huge win for them. So please continue. So the masterclass was basically, I would highlight, I don't know, probably three things. First of all, Grimau started with a big ball lineup where Satoransky was the point guard. And Kalinic was used at the two, uh, Jabari at the three, Da Silva at the four, and Vesely at the five. That's a lot of size. That's a lot of size. And uh, Da Silva was even guarding Campazzo to start. And with this big lineup, they were switching everything. So like negating Real Madrid's early opportunities. And uh, basically, it kind of clamped, you know, Real Madrid's offense. And it actually forced them to use ISO basketball, uh, look for Tavares in the post, but even you know without with switching, Tavares got his first field goal only in the third quarter, so it actually worked because you have so much size. So after you switch, you can front. Your size allows to cover the passing lanes and all that stuff. So it was really efficient. So that was the first thing. And you know, Vesely scored 28 points against the best defense in the league, and he's playing amazingly. But uh, how he did it? So in the first half, it was. Uh, since you have all these big players, they were trying to post up either Campazzo or either other smaller guards. And Vesely would kind of wait, not in the dunker spot, but would wait near the free throw line. And when Tavares just goes one step to help, there's a quick pass. He's shooting the mid-range. And he's shooting that mid-range like he's automatic. I, I looked he up the percentages. Great touch. I looked up the percentages. He's better from the short mid-range than he's yeah. actually on, on the layups. Wow. Like his percentages from there, I think it's like 65 from that short mid-range and 55 or 57 from layups. And 
to me that that's just incredible and um Blogana's atmosphere uh did did a lot for sure helped uh tremendously um if this game was probably at, at the visiting center probably real madrid even takes it without deck and yabuzela still recovering from injuries but um this big lineup was a big key for roger grumau to winning this game i thought uh, they did a great job defensively uh and offensively they were just fighting hustling getting some 50 50 balls making making some three pointers um early freeze like like they uh enjoy doing this season jabari la provitola so great game by barcelona and uh if there were any rumors before this game about roger grimau i don't know how true they are because navarro, to, to me, navarro declined everything navarro declined it and to me it seems just complete bullshit that you know a yeah. new coach that's that's who is in the third place in the standings in this super competitive Euroleague uh, after losing the best player on the roster, doing an amazing job and, and he's about to get fired. Yeah, okay, Barcelona was in a slump, but after this game, yeah, this is yeah. this is out of the question. That's me, what I eyes. wanted to address, actually. Uh, as, as you said, I didn't really see the game, so I'm not going to uh, comment on the game, but uh, I wanted to address this whole uh, Roger Grimau being fired uh, rumors like uh, and I feel that some people uh, have a strong opinion like that Barcelona should do it like they should bring in some more experienced coach like Itudis is available right now or uh, maybe they should try to get Xavi Pascual back to, to Barcelona and what I don't like about this is like uh, we hear people complaining about how hard it is for a new coach to get into the EuroLeague circle Mm -hmm. And people are complaining that it's all the same faces. Uh, rarely some new faces get in and usually all these older coaches get the job. And and now all of a sudden you have a young coach who gets this big opportunity to coach um, his his uh, hometown club. He's, he's a Catalan, he's from Barcelona, he played there and now he gets this big opportunity. And... He loses a couple of games. Okay, they lost by 20. Um, maybe they lost in a bad manner some of those games, like in Malaga or in Mon Monaco. And now you want him fired, like, immediately. They're third in the EuroLeague standings. They're just one win behind Virtus Bologna, and we're saying that Luca Banki is the coach of the year. Mm. Uh, okay, they, they're third <clears throat> in league, Andessa. They, they lost some games. It's it's not perfect, but it's it's not that bad. Not so long ago, four or five years uh, ago, Barcelona couldn't even get to the EuroLeague playoffs. And now you want to fire a coach who's who's third in the regular season. So if you're building a new project with a young coach, you need some patience. You will face some, some let's say, adversities and you might lose some games, okay? Maybe some mm -hmm. of their new signings are not, uh, not delivering uh, so far. But also we can see some good things that the coach is doing and that the players um, are performing like Vesely, La Provitola and some others. So uh, I, I just want to say, like, let the man work, like let him do his job and that's it. Let you him know? cook. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm completely with you on this. It's just to me, it sounds absolute nonsense that Barcelona would release Grimau after such a first half of the season and now this game. They looked amazing, uh, even though their biggest signing of the summer, Billy, was kind of, you know, exposed again on the defensive side. And 
they're still finding ways to to win basketball games and Kalinic was great they had 14 offensive rebounds so everything uh just really great game from from Roger yeah. Grimau and actually our, our colleague Donatas is not here with us today because he's in Barcelona he was there to do some interviews uh I already saw a part of the interview with Jabari Parker uh, is great content. Actually, I, I can recommend it. And obviously, Donatas will share some insights from Barcelona once he gets back. So I think that's enough about El Clasico. Big win for Barca. Yep. Uh, what should we talk about next? Uh, coach Trunchieri. I think Coach Trunchieri and his, Dis- I don't know, Jalir's Disco, win. And Italo Disco? Italo what, Disco what's that song? song? Yeah, I, Italo- I don't know the song, man. You but it, it all of a sudden got popular. You don't know the song? It's, I don't. It's like... Uh, it's number one in Lithuania for a couple of months already. I listened to 90s and oh, I was hip hop. How would I know Italo Disco? <laughs> See, that, that's why Tunkeri showed the song, you know? Yeah, yeah, he actually played a song in the press conference. That was, that was such a cool moment. I don't yeah. know. Uh, I would say I felt a lot of positive energy from him. Uh, when Jalgiris signed Tunkeri, some people were kind of afraid that he's going to step in. Uh, with, with some of his, let's say, not only charisma, but also arrogance, and, and he's going to change the culture completely. But actually, his his press conference, his, his comments about the game, everything was super positive. Um, after being in Kaunas for, what, like 24, 26 hours? Something he like he already had a EuroLeague game. It was very important for them to beat Alba Berlin, to get the win it doesn't matter whether they played good or bad. They just needed that win desperately. They didn't play good. Uh, they didn't play good. Yeah, let's admit that. Although uh, we saw some new interesting things. Uh, I wouldn't say like he brought some new uh, systems or sets because he it's didn't have possible. any time for that. It's not right. possible. He's facing a double game week, then another double game week. And there, there's a Lithuania League game on Crazy. on Sunday, I think. So uh, there's no time for, for practice. There's no time to... Um, add some new stuff to their game, but he has his own ideas how the team should play. He knows the roster. And we didn't see Jargis playing with three guards this season at all. Mm-hmm. Lukas Lekavic was, was their like 12th man on that roster. And now there's a new coach and he's becoming a game changer. He, he changed the flow of the game. Um, so it just shows you as, as you as you written in Facebook, I think, uh, mm-hmm. how a player might look much better in a different situation with a different head coach w- when the previous coach maybe didn't see him in his plans at all. And and Lekavicius was amazing. And they played with three guards. They played with Evans and Lekavicius and Hollins in the same lineup. Uh, so the rotations uh, seem to be different immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an interesting thing. Other than that, mm-hmm. of course... Uh, they you just needed change, the win. Change much. They right. just needed the win. They needed to win badly, and that press conference wouldn't wouldn't have been uh, so fun if they had lost. You know that game. Mm. But uh, I'm glad they finally got the win after what five or six losses in a row in the Euroleague. And I am kind of glad for Lukas Lekajovic because I think he's the guy that can help Jalgiris really. Because uh, he's Maxvid is the previous coach preferred Davidas Gedraitis because of his defense. Yeah. I think he lacks size to be a great defender in the EuroLeague. Um, he was usually put on the best perimeter guard, whether that's Mike James, Kevin Punter, but 
That's ba- mainly because Butkiewicz was, uh, was out. Right, right. But he's still out. And, you know, yeah. we see now Lukas Lekavic is like Trinkieri is choosing offense of Lekavic over the defense of Gedraitis. And I think to me, that's that's a smart move because uh, Jalgiris re- really lack guards that can uh, penetrate inside the paint mm. and then create some kind of, you know, um, attract the defense and then start uh, to swing the ball from inside to outside and create advantage in this way. It's been all of e- either Keenan Evans or Ulanovas or Schmitz trying to post up, you know, some 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 pick and pops, and they were really lacking offensive uh, versatility. And I think like Lekavicius can bring you that. Yeah, he has another, that spark. Another option. Yeah. He's, he's a different player. He changes the flow of the game. I think Trinkieri said it himself. And I... Uh, I was so happy to hear that he remembered the Bomberg days where Lekavic just played uh, the game of his career and and, and mm. he, he actually killed Bomberg uh, that night and, and Trinkieri said like he was killing us and I just put Daniel Tice on him <laughs> and he still and he still scored he was still scoring mm. and and then I was thinking about Trinkieri playing with free guards and I actually remember that Bomberg team it was a great team to watch he used to play with Zisi, Strelnex, and Wanamaker in the same lineup, closing games, playing the fourth quarter with mm. free guards, free playmakers, free players who can create. So I think that's what we we can expect in Konas. Uh, immediately, it seems to me like they become less dependent on Keenan Evans playing ISO. He's, yeah. he's becoming more of a two-guard. Uh, he plays a bit more off-ball with Lekavicius in those lineups. So right now, I think what Trinkieri is trying to do is is to figure out the best position for every player to put them in the best role and and to try win games because there's no time to create a new system. No. There's no time to add a lot of sets and 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 change defensive schemes. So um, I liked what I saw from the first game. Uh, mm. Okay, maybe it's good for the new coach to start the new year playing with Alba Berlin at home. <laughs> You can win without even playing very good basketball. Although they took 20 frees in the first half. That's a huge number. Mm. Every opportunity they, they got, they were shooting. Like Every time there's a, an open shot, they're, they're taking it. In the second half, it was a bit different. I'm curious to see how they will approach this game in, in, in Villarbon, a different opponent. Also a team that we're hearing rumors about changing coaches once again, which is crazy. Like... Pacheco lost some games by a point or two points by a shot versus Madrid versus Bayern Munich. And now there are these talks, but uh, it, it will be an interesting game. Uh, just to finish up about Jalgiris, a couple of points. I think with Lucas in the roster, you know, Evans is also, Junkeri is trying to save up uh, Evans's energy yeah. to finish the games. So I think that could help. Uh, playing Lucas could help Evans in some kind of way. And uh, the other point you mentioned was about uh, playing the free guards. Yeah. And this is also basically a move uh, all about offense, all about having better spacing. And uh, these, uh, what was the the last point you made? Uh, Uh, About him, like putting players in their best positions. Putting players, I, I just figuring forgot. out oh all God. the roles of the players. I just forgot another point I wanted to add, but twenty free taking twenty twenty frees, yeah, yeah. Against uh, in the game against Alba, the first yeah. round, they were kind of hesitating, you know, against this 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 kind of weird defense of Alba, and I was like, was this Trinkieri's idea to just you know, if you have an opportunity, 
just shoot it, you know. Don't hesitate because if you remember uh, in the end of that game, Roland Schmitz didn't take a free, drove to the rim, kind of got fouled there, but turned the ball over. And it was one of the main, uh, you know, situations in that game. That game in Berlin, right? The game in Berlin. Yeah. And there were a lot of instances like this. And when I saw Thomas Dimscha got the offense, get the offensive rebound, go to the dribble to the corner, turn around and shoot a free immediately, I'm like, okay, this is... This is probably this was probably emphasized in the locker room mm. before the game. So that was my couple thoughts. And another thing, probably we kind of need to mention, is uh, Nikola Topic debuting for uh, Cervena Zvezda against Fenerbahce. We talked about uh, in the you know before this episode or at the start of this episode, we talked about how young guys don't really get a chance in the EuroLeague. So with Nikola Topic in, we are finally getting a chance to see a prospect that probably will be in the NBA Yeah, no, next year. I think it's, it's, it's a no-brainer to it's say no that he's a lottery pick. Yeah, he's, you know, uh, playing for Mega in the Abba League, uh, being uh, top five, even top two in points and assists categories. He has moved up in the draft rankings from like 20, 20, 20th to 30th spot to top five. And um, I'm not sure how playing in the EuroLeague is going to help him. But I like the fact that he already played 19 minutes in his first game. He started and uh, he had the ball in his hands for, mm. for, for quite some time. So uh, it was a calm uh, for game, game one for him because he was looking for his older teammates more. Mm. But, um, you know, he said it himself. It, it, it is my dream to play for Zvezda. It is my dream to share the floor with Miloš Teodosic. And I cannot wait to debut in the EuroLeague. And who knows, maybe it's his uh, chance to play here for, for half a year before having a long, long NBA career. So I'm just glad to see him. And I'm really interested for to see Cervena Zvezda games uh, because of uh, not only Teodosic, but now also because of, of, of this prospect. Teodosic just makes Bolomboy a superstar. <laughs> Teodosic is uh, earning Bolomboy loads of money for next season. <laughs> like, they should, and, and don't they get me wrong, Bolomboy is, is a good player. Yeah. Amazing. But having a, a magician point guard like Teodosic just makes you so much be- makes you look so much better. Mm-hmm. You get so many easy layups and dunks. Uh, and, and they just beat uh, Sharas and Fenerbahce. First loss for Sharas. Away, uh, uh, yeah. So from for, for Fenerbahce is actually a first home loss of the season. They didn't lose a game with Itudis, and now Zvezda beat them. It just shows you how unpredictable this Euroleague is. Because if you just look at at the standings and judge mm-hmm. everything by the standings, it seems like Zvezda is kind of struggling. They're not having a good year, but they have so much quality in that team uh, that you can definitely expect them to get better in the second part. And talking about top pitch. Uh, one thing that stands out for me is is like um, a player in his position, like 18-year-old player who knows he's a big draft prospect, he's a lottery pick, usually might think like, is, why, why should I go to EuroLeague right now to compete, to risk getting mm. injured and all that stuff? It's good for me to just play one game per week in, in let's say, Abba League. We can remember what uh, Vemby did. He left Asphalt, he jo- joined uh, Metropolitans, and he just played in the French League. But for a young Serbian player, I think it just shows you how much it means to play for 
Zvezda, how much it means for him to represent that team. And and he wants to add it to his resume. And who knows if he will ever have the opportunity to play for Zvezda again. If he becomes a an NBA star, well, maybe he will only uh, play in the EuroLeague approaching retire retirement at 35 or 36 years old like mm. do you expect Nikola Jokic to play in the EuroLeague right now like probably not. you're not expecting that unless he decides to play let's say his last year like basically do what uh, Arvido Sabonis for example did so for him it's it's big and you can you can you can see that and you can feel that so i i appreciate it that the player is not thinking about whether um it's a good move for me or not. He's just thinking about the opportunity. He's he's betting on himself. And even though I don't think that's a great move for his draft stock. Exactly. Like I also staying think... staying in the Abba League, having those 19 points, six or seven assists, whatever he had, he would kept he would have kept these yeah. until the end of the season. And you know, probably remain a top five pick in the NBA. Right now, he could easily you know, I don't know, be in a shock because he's all of a sudden in the EuroLeague. He has to figure out a lot of things. It is much harder for him, but not only he is not, not afraid, like that's a brave move from him. Yeah. Not only he's not afraid to play, he wants to play for Zvezda yeah. and he doesn't care about his draft stock. Obviously, if he plays well, he might even go number one, number two. But at the same time, if he uh, loses his rotation spot, that might mean exactly. he's falling out of the lottery. Because Spheropoulos will not give you minutes just for the sake of it. You need to earn it. He, he, you need Spheropoulos to... needs wins. Yeah, so. you must win in your league. Mistakes <clears throat> are not really tolerated. When you play just in the Abba League, you know, you can, you, you, you can make, make mistakes. Everybody can accept that. Nobody, nobody feels that much pressure. Mm-hmm. And, and you can just play the way you want. Like, he played with so much freedom, as you said. And you... I think in some previous podcasts you actually did a short analysis of his games. So yeah, it's... I had a video about him uh, in July, end of July when, or no, start of August after he won the MVP of under 18 championship of Europe, where yeah. they won gold with Serbia. So, so definitely a shout was... out to a young player who has the courage to to mm-hmm. play in the Euroleague and and help Cervantes Vesda in this moment. Uh, before going to talk about our midseason awards, probably we have to talk about. Uh, do we talk about Cody Miller McIntyre game winner? I mean, we did not catch the game. He, we saw the game winner. Yeah, that was basically a similar shot to the one. The he man got. just just has an agenda against the Greek teams. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. That's the reason we have to figure it out. He did it versus Olympiakos. He did it versus Panathinaikos. <laughs> Uh, again, an important win for Basconia and the way Cody Miller McIntyre has been playing uh, since the coach's change is is phenomenal. Th- yeah, I mean he's becoming a super solid floor general who's also good on defense. So he's he's becoming a two way star in the Euroleague, and yeah, he's also hitting those game winners. If he was. He- he was actually really good on defense for, uh, to start the season already. Yeah. But it was his offense that was hurting Basconia. Uh, now he has figured it out. Basconia have figured it out and they're winning big games. And <clears throat> Chima Moneke just mm. delivered one of the coolest post-game interviews uh, ever <laughs> in the EuroLeague. Um, 
you know, the guy always delivers with content. Yeah. Just so fun to so fun to watch, not only on the court, another amazing game by him yesterday, but um, also off the court. And, you know, uh, I, I, actually, I actually caught a little bit of this game. It was a really a defensive one, to be honest. And it was weird because, you know, Basconi at home usually plays... You don't usually expect uh, defensive-minded games in West Arena. Exactly. But now with Dusko as a coach and Panathinaikos actually being the third best defensive team in the league, you kind of ex- you kind of could have expected this. There was a lot of physicality, really great uh, some great defensive sequences. So it was a really tough start. Uh, Lazort picked up three fouls. Kendrick Nunn was once again amazing. Uh, definitely, we are going to talk about him and and our rookie of the year conversation. So uh, another great game that was decided by Cody Miller McIntyre. Mm. What a what a, another mid range shot and probably another team who is facing the similar situation will know where this guy is going to where is his spot when the game is on the line he's not a three point shooter <laughs> so the mid range is his shot <coughs> you know actually uh if if you focus let's say on on negative aspects you could say okay Cody Miller McIntyre is shooting only 24% uh from free and only 69% uh, from the free throw line. But if you look at the positives, who wouldn't want to have a tall physical point guard who plays good defense and he's dropping a a stat line of eight points, four rebounds and six assists with 12 in performance index rating. That's pretty close to a triple-double. I mean, it's half of a triple-double. Like In EuroLeague, probably you should treat... Uh, half of the triple double as an NBA triple double, so much easier. If you if you get the fifty percent, like five rebounds, uh, six assists, and eight points, you can say that that's Euroleague's type of triple double. <laughs> and Cody Miller McIntyre was in 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 one game as a rebound away from a triple double, one or, or two, or I think. two rebounds away. Yeah, a great player, and he's he's just having an agenda against the Greek teams, as I said. Okay, so next topic is about the transfer deadline signings. And even though I, ex- I expected a little bit more from the last day of where you can actually uh, out-register the players, but we had Kevin Pangos going to Valencia and Ante Zizic going to Virtus. And uh, let's talk about probably Pangos first. Do you think this changes anything for Valencia? Do you think they kind of go from this 9, 8, 10, 6, uh, 9, wait... 10-8 team, do do they go into the top six clearly or do they stay in the playing zone? What do you think about the signing in general? I think that Kevin Pangos on his own is, is, is not a major game changer. I don't think he is uh, right now the player who can single-handedly uh, bring the team from, let's say, playing to the playoffs, from the eighth seed to the sixth seed or anything, anything like that. Uh, we know his situation. We know in the last few years he barely even got any rhythm. Uh, but it's a signing that should help Valencia uh, because uh, they're adding experience. They're adding more depth to the roster. Uh, even last season we saw it and this season once again that their guards uh, have the tendency to miss some games. Uh, Chris Jones sometimes gets injured. Jared Harper sometimes gets injured. Stefan Jovic sometimes gets injured. So it doesn't hurt to have another good point guard, another player who can create and play with the ball. 
uh, in general, I think it just makes them deeper, a little bit stronger, uh, add some different options. Uh, a point guard who's very good in the pick and roll. Uh, once again, he can recreate his um, relationship on the court with Brandon Davis because they've played together for for in every team they go three or four years in general, like Milan, Barcelona, and and Konas. Uh, and you know Valencia is a team that's that's competing uh, in the Spanish league as well as in the Euroleague. You play tough games in the Euroleague, but then you also have some tough games on weekend. Uh, so every extra player helps. To have a deep roster is very important for Spanish teams. That's why they also have this rotation where everybody plays 18, 23 minutes. Exactly. I think Alex Mumbrou <clears throat> should be happy uh, for getting uh, another po point guard. Now they're better prepared to face the situation, let's say, where one or two guys uh, get injured. And if Pangos uh, gets to his rhythm, he starts playing, he will help them. I, I don't expect him to be a hero or anything like that, but he will, he will definitely help them. He's played in Spain before. He knows the league. He knows everything. Um, I don't have any illusions that like immediately he's going to be the best version of Kevin Pangos after everything that's happened in the recent years. But maybe he doesn't have that pressure right now because this team is good already. Uh, they're winning games. Just recently they beat FS. They were in a pretty good position. So there shouldn't be any pressure for him to like become the star of this team. And I also think, you know, Valencia doesn't have the license to play in the EuroLeague, so it's really important for them to have a great result this season in order to, I don't know, increase their chances of, of remaining. We know they have a new arena coming up, but uh, depending on how they play this season, it might end up being the deciding factor in, in whether they stay in the EuroLeague or not. So I think they really need a, an addition there. Some of the guys in their backcourt are were struggling. So, you know, the the upside is here with Pangos. We don't know the version you are getting with him right with him right now, but we remember him in 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 Zenit. We remember him having some good games, you know, for Milano. So, if if he can be, if he can get back close to this shape, I think it's a it's a great signing for Valencia. And what about Zizic to Virtus? Uh, I just wanted to add one more thing about oh, yeah, about, sure. about Pangos and, and Valencia that like we, we're focusing on the EuroLeague <clears throat> standings and saying how crazy it is. Like that mix of teams that has nine or ten wins. ACB if you look at the are... ACB standings, man, they're, they're ten and six. Barcelona is also ten and six. Murcia is ten and six. Gran Canaria is ten and six. Then you have Manresa and Basconia with nine and seven and they finish the top eight. And then you have two teams catching the top eight with eight wins. That's Tenerife and, and Juventud Badalona. So we, we shouldn't underestimate how important it is for, for Spanish clubs to be in a good position in the regular season, not only in the EuroLeague, but also in Liga Andesa. We are looking at this so, from our probably Lithuanian perspective, where Jaeger is. Yeah, we know they're going to be fine in the Lithuanian. They're going to be fine. They they start playing LKL, you know. Yeah, they play, they play. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they're going to be in the playoffs. They're probably going to have the number one seed, and their real game, their real face, only shows when they finish their season in the Euroleague, in the playoffs. Like in the Spanish league, you are not allowed to do that, and there are so many good teams there. 
most of the Spanish teams that are playing in the international competitions this season, I think they are leading their groups. Euro Cup, FIBA Champions, Champions League, Euro League, you know, they're at the top of the standings, most of these teams. So that just shows how great ACB is. Exactly. So since you don't have the luxury to rest players on weekends, you must mm-hmm. have uh, more quality and, and more depth. And uh, we expected Pangos to switch teams. Maybe we didn't really expect him to sign with Valencia. We we At, at the time when Messina said all those things, we didn't have any knowledge about uh, mm. possible destinations. We were actually talking and discussing about the opportunity of bringing Pangos back to Konas. Mm. If you remember, we had some of those discussions as well. Okay, and Ante But this was, this was actually, uh, they were trying to get him in the summer already. In the summer? Valencia. Oh, okay. Well, then it makes sense that makes sense. they got this opportunity. Pangos is finally freed himself from Milano. Maybe he'll be the right driver you know, here. We said about players being in, in, in bad situations, good situations. We, and how he changes we, things. We talked about Lekavic, was how different it is right now for him. And a new environment, a new coach, a new system could help Pangos to feel good again and, and play mm-hmm. solid basketball. Yep. And Zizic, well, that's a different type of a signing. Um, an unexpected signing, I should say. It has a lot to do with uh, Dan Oturu being amazing for FS. They found a gem. Beast. Yeah, they found a great player in the market. So now they have enough uh, centers. And I think it's a good deal for all the sides involved. Uh, FS have Oturu. They're happy right now with him. Shishic um, probably wanted to move where he could have a bigger role, and Virtus needed a center because uh, since Kaycock got injured and he's he's going to be out for a pretty long time, they are left with uh, very limited options. Luka Banki has uh, a veteran center, Brian Dunstan. He can put Jordan Mickey as a five, and basically that's it because playing Polonara as a five right now doesn't look like a, a very good option. And it's not it's and, not an Italian national and, team. And, and you want Mickey to let's say play as a four <laughs> sometimes when Shingelia uh, gets some rest. So to have that balance, they needed a center, and all of a sudden there's an opportunity to sign an experienced center who adds something different to the team. We know how good he is in the low post. Uh, he, he's very good at scoring uh, in the paint. Not necessarily a good defender, but I don't think that should be a huge issue. Uh, Luka Banki will figure it out, how to use a, a big man like, like Ante Zizic. And he's joining a veteran team. He should have no problems blending in because every player on that team is so experienced. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, and I think it's a good signing for Virtus. Again, not uh, some sort of a major game changer like they signed a superstar and now you see them as some EuroLeague favorites, but since they are in a very good position, in order to maintain that, you needed some help uh, since, as I said, Kaycock uh, got injured. They needed a body yeah. in their front court and they recreated an adult FS center tandem from last season. It wasn't that successful last year, but I think around different personnel in a different environment, Dunstan and uh, Zizic can be successful. So it will be interesting to see. Uh, Let's go to our main topic of this podcast. This is the mid-season awards. Uh, teams, okay, after yesterday, they have already played 18 games. So we are even uh, a little bit above and beyond the mid-season point. But uh, we are going to talk about the MVP, 
We are going to talk about the defensive player, coach of the year, rookie of the year, and most improved player. And we are going to give out all EuroLeague teams uh, first and second at the end and share some bold predictions to finish the podcast. So we have to start with the MVP. And uh, I don't know. This was tough for me. Even though Real Madrid is 16-2, and two, mm. even though adding Campazzo there uh, made it made it look to me like Real Madrid is unbeatable. But we have to talk about all three guys that are in this conversation. Mike, uh, Faku, and Toko Shingelia. All three are having phenomenal seasons. And each three of, of these guys have their own agenda. And I think you are right if you choose any of these three. Yeah. And even though, you know, Campazzo makes Real Madrid unbeatable, he has like 11 points, seven assists per game, really great shooting from two pointers. But uh, how many more games they have to win uh, in order for him to get the MVP? Because his stats are not the best, obviously, out of his stats are the lowest of all these three guys. But uh, he's creating so many points. He makes Real Madrid look illegally good. But, um, you know, if you need a game winner or you need to clinch the game in the last seconds, I'm probably going to go with Mike. Mike is having the best season probably of his life in, in the EuroLeague, um, scoring almost 20 points per game. Career Not high. Not almost. It's actually 20.2 right now. Oh, after last game. Yeah, 20.2 okay. points per game. 28, 1.8 in performance index rating. Okay, I had 19.8 after... 44% from free. I had 19.8 after the yeah. round 17. Career-high three-point shooting, insanely good in every game, consistent this season, uh, as was the opposite from last season where he was kind of up and down. And without him this year, uh, Monaco are kind of plagued with injuries. Jordan Lloyd is... In- Jordan Lloyd is in and out of the rotations. Uh, I miss Jordan Lloyd so much, man. So he's been illegally good and just, I think he can have a really, you know, you could say Mike James is the MVP and you'd be right. And the same could be said about Doko Shingelia. So who do you have? Because I probably would have to say at the moment, Mike James, no single digit games. But at the same time, if you say Campazzo or Toko Shingelia, I'm like, I'm okay well, with that. You, well, you said it. Um, I <coughs> I'm not even sure if I can add anything to it. Like you said, everything that I wanted to say. But you have to choose um, <laughs> I can just say that if FS was winning more games, Shane Larkin should be in the conversation as well. Mm. But since FS True. are in a bad position right now, we're not talking about him. But if you just look at the numbers and his performances, he's also MVP worthy. But the team is not winning. So we're focusing on the winning teams and... Of course, Real Madrid has the best record. Virtus is second. So that's also in favor of Shengelia. A power forward who's creating for his teammates, who's dishing assists, um, who's playing very consistent basketball this year. Uh, I would vote for Mike James as well. I, I would say, like, you cannot go wrong with any of these three guys, but I just want your league to finally have an American point guard because maybe there were some players in the past that uh, were left out and and deserved it but didn't get the recognition. You mean American MVP? Yeah, American oh, MVP, okay. yeah. And I think that Mike James this season is just on a mission. Like 
you didn't see a bad game from him. Uh, you didn't hear any bad stuff about him. Like in previous seasons, he was suspended. There were some some things happening. This season is just all about basketball. He's playing 31 minutes per game. Uh, he has a super high usage rate. Um, he's playing so much in the ISO. He's, he's uh, hitting important shots. Actually, in some games, he really worked on defense. Like, not always you get that from him, but he, in some games, I remember Zvezda game in Belgrade and, and some mm -hmm. others, like, he really worked on defense. And from all these three, you're thinking, like, okay, how dependent are these teams are on, 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 on these guys? If you take Shingelia out from Virtus, let's say, for five games, they will have problems. Mm, you expect them probably to lose more than win, but okay, they will still find a way. I think uh, they win one game out of five. They will have huge, <clears throat> huge problems. Well, it depends on who, who they're playing, but for yeah, sure. I agree. That's That would be a huge blow to Virtus. If you take Campazza out of Madrid for five games, well, it will get tougher. They will start playing more like last year. But I imagine they could still win games. Like they won the Euroleague without him, but yeah. with him right now, they look unbeatable. Like they look so hard to stop, even after yesterday's El Clasico. But but I, what I want to finish with is like, imagine if Mike James wasn't playing. Jordan Lloyd is out. How many games would they win with with Kemba Walker as, as their uh, main point guard? I, I would say they'd, they'd be somewhere close to Alba Berlin and Arsenal Villarbon. Oh, you disrespect the other guys. <laughs> okay, man, but uh, <clears throat> since Jordan Lloyd barely even played the season, it was all about Mike James, and I cannot imagine them being in a position with 10 and 8 uh, without him and, and, and with his MVP uh, level of mm -hmm. basketball. So I'm voting for him. I know it's like subjective it's a matter of opinion i know that people have other opinions and some people will go to the comment section and say like what are you talking about shingelia is the obvious uh, front runner and maybe you're right so we just have to decide uh, the word obvious about this mvp race i think it's unfair i think there is <clears throat> i think there is no obvious choice here nope at, at at least at this point of the season and i again just want to repeat myself like stop including the quarterfinal series to this voting it's a regular season award because Absolutely. Virtus Bologna might have an amazing season finish with the second seed and, and, and then lose a playoff series to the seventh seed. And, and that's going to hurt Shingelia's MVP case, but it's not should fair. it really? Like, it's not fair. It's a regular it's season award. So yeah. Right. Um, who do we go next? Uh, defensive player of the year. I think this wow, is that's a tough this one. is just as hard to choose as the because the, the MVP is about like choosing from three great players from three oh, obvious candidates. And my bad. Uh, before we go into this, I forgot to mention that at Basket News we conducted a survey of our uh, colleagues, and uh, they gave the MVP to Campazzo forty percent, Shingelia got thirty five percent of the votes, and Mike James only got twenty, and Donatus, who is not uh, here with us today. He did a players, Euroleague player survey. 37, I think, participated or around 40 participated. 
You can read it on BN Plus, uh, the whole article, but I can spoil it for you that the winner of the player's vote was also Facundo Campazzo with a really similar amount of votes, 37%. And there, of course, there were other guys getting, getting the votes and Donatas wrote it all about it in his article. So go check it out on BN Plus. And uh, I'm, I'm going to do this for, for every category. So best defensive player, uh, colleagues, uh, our colleagues, our basket news workers voted Jerine Grant as number one, 40%, Walter Tavares, 25, John Brown, 15. So who do you have and what are your arguments for this? Even though you, before the podcast, you said that you don't have a clear winner. Like this year, <clears throat> I don't really have a clear favorite. Uh, last year, I was so, uh, focused on, on Thomas Walkup. I, I was holding all all of his stocks. Uh, I was I was buying it, and I thought that he's he has a good case. But it still ended up in Eddie Tavares's big hands. <laughs> so right now, you wouldn't be wrong to vote him as a defensive player of the year again, uh, even though he's playing a subpar season to his standards. Yeah, but still, his team has the number one defensive rating, and he's still so good protecting the rim. But you just want something different. You want finally. Uh, some of those players who who uh, guard the perimeter to be recognized. Mm. It's too easy to always get the defensive player of the year to a big center who is a rim protector. Like again, this year we're hearing about Rudy Gobert having a a pretty strong campaign for player uh, for defensive player of the year. So Jerian Grant to me is a nice pick. Jerian Grant really really is a nice pick. Um, I could throw some names like Alpha Diallo, John Brown. Uh, Thomas Walkup is still there, definitely. Um, but Jerian Grant to me sounds like a very good choice. I can remember what he did to Keenan Evans in in uh, Oaka uh, when they played. Um, he definitely did a good job on some other uh, star players from from the opposing teams. And at the same time, he's a two way player. He's important in offense as well for Panathinaikos. So Jerian Grant. I I kind of agree with that. I'm picking him. Mm. I picked. I voted for him myself. Uh, he was amazing in uh, more than one game against the best players. Just glued to them, and um, you know, last year I voted for Thomas Walkup because I just thought you know he was just so amazing throughout all the season. I'm seeing similar stuff from Jerian Grant. I'm not saying he's better than Thomas Walkup. But as you said, you want some new names, new faces on this defensive player on the year voting. And Tavares is amazing. Mustafa Fall is amazing. Hmm. If you look at the defensive ranking, Real Madrid is first, uh, Valencia, I think, is second, Pau is third, and Olympiacos is fourth. So you have Jerian Grant from the third best defensive team. You have Walkup and Fall from fourth best defensive team. You have Tavares. And, you know, Valencia are doing a really good job collectively, playing really physical and, you know, you can name a couple of guys from them. And uh, so I would agree with Jerian Grant, just his perimeter defense, his denial from the ball. Yeah, he gets beaten from time to time, but that's what happens if you play that defense, you know. You are not safe from this. And uh, so we agree on Jerian Grant? Yeah. The players actually, uh, you know, did not consider him that that often. And the players did not surprise anyone. Walter Tavares was number one. But there are some pretty interesting names uh, further down the list. So if you want to check that out. Uh, 
the next category is probably the category that I think uh, has the least doubts. Coach of the year. You know, you're deciding between Luca <coughs> Banchi and Chus Mateo. I think um, it's pretty obvious. Somebody voted for Dusko Ivanovic. I wouldn't vote for a coach who stepped in during the season. Who, uh, who got fired from one team. And fair play to him. He did an amazing job so far with Basconia. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about <clears throat> two names. Luca Banchi and Chus Mateo. Whether you go with the best record and and the coach who who is like a defending champion or are you going with the coach who resurrected the team the team that last season didn't even compete to be in the playoffs and right now they're the second seed so i think uh, i'm not saying that Chus mattel's job is easy and i think that this season and I feel from watching Real Madrid that he has even more confidence and maybe the players have more confidence in him. And, and it, it's not only about Campazzo. I think that in general, they're recreating what they had with Pablo Lasso, like this continuity, this chemistry and all that. And the coach is important. So Chus Mateo deserves credit. But I'm voting for Luca Banchi. I mean, what he's doing with Virtus Bologna so far is amazing. He, he, he's... Um, coaching a veteran team and bringing the best out of every player. Like Marco Bellinelli last year, it seemed like he's probably going to retire. Is he even good enough to play in the EuroLeague right now? All of a sudden, he's a threat. Uh, Toko Shengelia had a tough year with injuries and all that, and now Luka Banki is just putting him in that best position as a, as a power forward who creates, who's basically the key player the team is built around him. And then you have Danny Hackett and everybody else, and... Uh, he just built a really solid team. They are play. They're playing smart basketball. They're good on offense. They're good on defense. To me, he's the coach of the year so far, and he's mm. he's a coach that, uh, for the last two, or three, or even five years, probably teams were not even considering him anymore for Euroleague because previously he wasn't that successful. And now he's back, and we're seeing that he he's he has a lot of new ideas, and he got this team playing the way he wants pretty quickly. Uh, so, uh, Luca Banchi, I think, yeah, probably will agree on this. If you think about or ask anybody in the Europe, best coach ever is it's got to be Jelko Bradovic. Yeah, and nobody will will have a single doubt about it. But this season. What Luca Dambanki has done with Virtus, you can't prove me otherwise that he does not deserve the coach of this season, yeah. coach of the year award and mid-season, uh, let's mm, say, right? Yeah, because at no, the moment, yeah, things might change for the first part of the season. What he has done is absolutely worthy of the title. Um, same roster that was 14th at the same stage of of the season, right now our second, and probably what is the most competitive Euroleague we had. Uh, you know, in in recent memory, so many teams are so many teams actually think that they can be in the playoffs. Every game is hard. Apart from Asvel and Alba, sixteen teams think they belong to the playoffs. So to have Virtus at second spot after the first round is absolutely nuts. And some of the guys that were not playing or were playing uh, in a second unit right now are the main guys and he just 
I don't know what he did, how his magic worked, uh, but we we talked about him a lot in this podcast, even in the in the start after the start of the season, first five six games, uh, we already talked about what he changed, but just the way he uh, had everyone playing at their best level, you know, guys who did not have confidence right now hitting important shots, if Lundberg having great games every once in a while hitting big shots. Uh, Hackett, you know, uh, Bellinelli, Bellinelli's and Shengelia's connection, you know, playing off of uh, each other is is just amazing. So, yeah, Cornier has been great as well. Cornier has been, you know, one of the biggest revelations of the season in my eyes. So, to me, ninety uh, percent of Basket News workers uh, thought he deserves this award, and I completely agree with this. If we talk only about this season, it's it's yeah. Luka Banki. Uh, the players agree, not. At the same high percentage, it's only yeah. 35. But uh, you know, yeah, Luca Banki gets the Coach of the yeah. Year, and, and and you're not wrong if you're voting mm-hmm. for Chus Mateo. But yeah. there's so we have so many strong arguments for Luca Banki's case. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we have finished three categories. Please let us know in the comment section down below what do you think your winners of of these all categories that we will talk about even later. Uh, let's discuss it in the comment section down below. It's always interesting to hear your thoughts. And the next one is rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. Uh, this is kind of tricky because I was surprised that in our internal voting, Kendrick Nunn does not get into the top three. I mm-hmm. he is a really great signing. He's been really solid. He's you know. At the moment, everybody in Panathinaikos or everybody around Panathinaikos know that he's the number one guy. Like, he has the ball in most of the possessions. It's not Costas Lucas, it's not Valdoza, it's not uh, Mitoglu or Matias Lazor. It's Kendrick Nunn deciding games. And he has been really, really great, really solid. So, I was a little bit surprised. Maybe people are just focusing on the, the fact that he's like an in-season signing. And played he, less games, but I mean, he joined in November. I think he already played at least half of the games. So, yeah, I and I agree that he should be considered. But that uh, I'm just trying to think why people left him out. He has played twelve games already. Twelve games out yeah. of eighteen. Nah, uh, he's a, he's, 12, a, he, he's a good scorer. He, twelve, he, and I expect him to actually improve his three point shooting because uh, I agree. It's only twenty nine percent so far, but. I know from the NBA that he's a pretty good shooter. He has confidence in his shot-making ability, so the numbers should even get better. Mm-hmm. But, okay, he deserves to be definitely in the top three, top five. Who do you have as number one? Uh, there are some solid choices, you know. If if Serge Ibaka hadn't played a few games for Real Madrid during a lockout, you could vote for him as a rookie of the year, <laughs> a 35-year-old rookie. <laughs> Um, I'm going with Cody Miller-McIntyre. Cody Miller-McIntyre. I'm going with, with Cody Miller-McIntyre. You know, the start of the season was, was tough, not only for him, but also for the team. But as I said, I just <clears throat> love these two-way players uh, who are great on defense and solid on offense as well. And, and, and when you have a wild scorer like Marcus Howard next to him, you probably need that. Uh, calm type of a point guard. They had Darius Thompson last year, and now Cody Miller McIntyre is becoming that guy. Mm. Other players I want to give a shout out, like PG Dozier, definitely. The first month maybe was tough, 
then he figured out what Jelko wants from him, and now he's playing amazing basketball. Um, even Jabari Parker deserves a shout out because he he's kind he he's good and he's I would say consistent for Barcelona as well. Mm. You didn't mention my winner though. I didn't mention your winner. What what did I forget? Please let me know. Bruno Caboclo. Bruno Caboclo. Okay, yeah, of course, of course. He has to be mentioned as well, but I'm not I, was, gonna, I was a little bit afraid he somehow played in the Euroleague. But I'm not going to vote for him, <clears throat> but that's also a good choice. I, I'm I'm sticking to Cody Miller McIntyre though. Ah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, we already talked about Miller uh, McIntyre today a little bit. He's been amazing, but uh, <clears throat> to me, it's either it, I think it's Caboclo, and just as they signed as Partizan signed Bruno, I immediately said that Partizan season starts only then and. He has been fantastic. Uh, he is the missing piece Partizan needed. He surprised me with his offensive game. His percentages are ridiculous, to be honest. It's 76%. He's averaging 12 points and 4.3 rebounds. 76% from two. 57% from the three-point range. And 74% on free throws. So he's not only giving you the defense, the energy, yeah. the pick and roll. But he, rim protection, uh, the ability to switch, he's also giving you the ability of the pick and pop. So he's basically, yeah. so right now it's like I'm looking at the signing of Frank Kaminsky and I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's important to have the uh, ability, the death, but like Bruno Caboclo does everything and, and better. And to me, the, his ability to shoot is what surprised me. I even saw him now shooting a little mini step backs after the dribble. Or like a fake spin and mm. like a fadeaway shot he hit the other day. Toronto Raptors fans, you should watch that. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm shocked he's doing these things and then he's casually knocking down the three pointer, super confident on his in his ability to shoot. So uh, he has been an amazing pickup by Partizan, and um, I can understand why in the summer he was like. I, d I don't support what he did in the summer and I've made it perfectly clear, but I understand why in the summer he was like, uh, let me try to go for that NBA shot. You know, if he's, if he's playing like this for the whole season, I think he's going to raise some uh, eyebrows in, in the NBA as well. So um, shout out to Bruno, uh, amazing season. He gets my rookie of the year uh, yeah. nomination and I had uh, I had Miller McIntyre, Kendrick Nunn, and PJ Dozier, right right after him. Mm. You know, if he clears out stuff like uh, unnecessary fouls and and some mental mistakes that he sometimes has uh, mm. uh, on defensively and on boxing out, he is going to be an elite center in the Euroleague for the upcoming years if he stays in the Euroleague, of course. And with him, he they're playing him at the four, at the five. We even saw in Konas the, the, some, and again in the game against Milano, they were playing uh, Lidi at the three. Bruno yeah, it's kind of a four. positionless basketball, like Smilagic, Smilagic at the day five, and, and right. Caboclo in the same lineup. Some interesting stuff. So uh, the colleagues at Basket News decided it, it was Bruno Caboclo. Uh, the players agreed with you. It's Cody Miller McIntyre with 32% uh, of the votes. And uh, we at Basket News had Bruno at 40. It's strange, but Cody Miller McIntyre somehow gives me some like Gary Payton vibes. I don't know why. Ah. 
he doesn't I can see he that. doesn't look like a trash talker or anything like that, but just the way he plays the game. No, he 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 looks one of the calmest dudes on the court. Yeah. Like you have Chima Muneke on the other side and right on the complete opposite is is, is Cody. And in the Miller middle there's McIntyre. Marcus Howard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. <clears throat> Uh, probably the category where we are going to mention one of the guys. No, we Andre just... Miller vibes actually more than Gary Payton. Sorry about the interruption. Andre Miller. This is better. Andre Miller. Is this better is better. Comparison. This is yeah. much better. This is much better. Uh, but <laughs> okay, uh, most improved player or a breakout year, whatever you want to call this 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 category. Uh, there are mul- multiple choices here. A lot of mm. guys that were, you know. Just as I mentioned from Virtus, uh, uh, when talking about uh, Bologna Virtus, you have a lot of guys that were in the second unit just last year and right now just absolutely dominating the EuroLeague. Yeah. You could you could say Chima Muneke, you could say Tadas Sedekerskis, you could say Alec Peters, I don't know, Johannes Tiemann in this conversation as well. So multi- a lot of names here. Yes. Dino Smitoglu even like he didn't yes. even play last year, but two seasons ago he was a second unit player from for Milano. I think it's kind of a, a philosophical discussion. What is a most improved player? Like, is it someone who actually improved their game, or is it just someone who is in a much better position right now than he was last year? Yeah. Like, if if you're talking about just players improving stats. Marco Bellinelli could be considered as the most improved player. Did he improve his game though at 38 years old? He worked a lot during the summer. <laughs> Did he change? Uh, he changed anything. his shooting mechanics, so, and you know, <laughs> talking about Chima Moneki, um, I knew he was a great player. The guy was in the NBA just last season. He played in don't forget in, that in in Manresa and he was great. I knew that. I saw that. So last year he joined Monaco during the season. He he was put in a completely different role and you couldn't expect him to drop some huge numbers. He had different tasks on that team once he joined. So it was completely different. I'm not saying I expected him to have these numbers that he has right now in Basconia, but I did expect him to be good. Uh, I, I don't think he's a different player than he was a year or two ago. It's just that he's in a completely different situation. So... Uh, and and you could say that about Alec Peters as well. Vezenkov left, he, so he's stepping up. He has a bigger role. Um, that's why I I try to think about players who I watch and I I'm thinking he added something to his game. Like, so in this discussion, it might be an unpopular opinion, but I'm voting for Johannes Tiemann because to me, first of all, it seems like he he's improved as a leader with his confidence that he's bringing back uh, from the German national team now being the world champion. Uh, He's been the captain of the team even before, but you didn't feel that consistency, that calmness from him that you see right now. To me, it looks like, I might be wrong, I don't know, because these players play for national teams, they don't have time in the summer to work out on moves or anything like that, but it looks like he added some post moves. He looks like he's being more aggressive this year. He actually... Uh, got to the free throw line much more often than than last year. He already shot 79 free throws and he shot 79 in the whole season. I'm talking about last season. Mm. He took 39 frees last year 
shooting, uh, I don't remember the percent, but I was pretty low. He took 43 frees already this year, and he, he made 17. That's 40.5%. Um, he's dominating in the paint. He, he's getting the rebounds. He Okay, the, the situation for him also changed because players like Luke Sigma, Modolo left the team. But watching him play, it seems to me like he added stuff to his game. That's what I call an improved player. Mm. His team is not winning. I know that. But if Johannes Thiemann would become a free agent today, he would get offers. A lot offers. of teams on that He list. would get offers. A lot of teams on that yeah. list. He's 29. <clears throat> it looks like he's at the peak of his career. Uh, and no disrespect to Chima Monek or anybody else because they all deserve, deserve uh, this award or any other award you, you might give them. But uh, I'm going to go with JT, the captain okay. of Alba Berlin. That's interesting. And I, agree, I really agree with your point. We have already talked about this. Breakout player or most improved player in the EuroLeague is very different from the this award in the NBA. Because in the NBA, you see guys that, okay, take jumps in their usage, in the playing time, also switch teams, switch like teams. Brandon Ingram traded from Lakers it, to Pelicans. It's true. It happens. Most improved it, player. it happens like in the EuroLeague. But most of the time, it's just the guy that gets a bigger role because he deserves it. And you could see that he doesn't fit, he doesn't fit anymore with the second unit. In the EuroLeague, it's more about finding the right environment around you. And if you look at all these guys like Chima Moneke, uh, Tada Sedekerskis, you have Joel Bolomboy here as well. Um, even Alec Peters jumping from a much bigger, uh, from a smaller role to a much bigger role. A lot of these guys just were used in a one way last season. Yeah, and they are used in a completely more different one. You're just getting more opportunities and different opportunities in the new team. So it's a different kind of uh, award here in Europe, and you know, so many good choices here. Here, Chima, Peter, Stadas, Johannes, Timon, Isaiah, Cordinier, Joel Bolomboy has been fantastic. But I, I, I still go with uh, Chima Moneke. Um, I think for me, his improvement, you know, you talked about Timon's post-ups mm-hmm. and free throws. To me, it's his three-point shooting with Monaco yeah. in a limited role. He played 202 minutes in the EuroLeague in total. He shot only three times from behind the line. He made zero. Right now, he's already 21 of 47, and that's a huge change. That That's a game changer, not only for him, that's a game changer yeah. for Basconia. So... Uh, Chima is my pick for for most improved player, and our colleagues agree with this. Basically, it was between Chima and Tadas. Chima got 45 percent. Mm. Tadas got forty percent of votes. Players also uh, voted for Chima Moneke twenty four percent. So All right, fair enough, fair enough. I'm just like like I said, <clears throat> I'm going for the player who has been with the same team and the same coach for multiple seasons, and now he's having his best season in in numbers and i just checked the three-point shooting as as i said before last year it was 23 <clears> percent <throat> nine from 20 uh, from 39 this season it's already above 40 percent and he's taking more shots that's crazy so the best yeah. pickup in fantasy euroleague from round one. Oh yeah that's that's true like his value <laughs> increased rapidly with every game week uh we have yeah so all the awards are given out by us uh, just another reminder to write yours in the comment section down below. And we go to all EuroLeague team. 
this is going, I think, to be pretty hard, and some interesting names are getting to are going to be thrown here. Yeah, mid- what do you what do you think about first team mid season all Euroleague team? <coughs> how uh, how strict are we on positions? Two and three, or two two one, right? Uh, so Mike James, Facundo Campazzo, and Toko Shengelia are Locks. locked in the in in the first team. I agree. Jan Vesely is my center. <clears throat> I agree. Okay, this is going. Uh... Jan Vesely has been so important. Uh, he's reminding me of that MVP season he had when he played for Jelko. Twenty nineteen in, in Fenerbahce. <clears throat> we have one spot left. One spot left. One another wing or yeah, or another wing. Another so big guy. What is your choice? Because I have mine. I'm pretty confident with my choice. <laughs> So there are options. Chima, Shavon Shields, Peters, Mitoglu. Deck. Deck. He has been out. I still go with Chima Moneke for the first team. Mid-season awards. Yep. Chima Moneke in the first team. That was your choice as well? Yeah, man. What like I mean I Okay, second I, I had some thoughts about let's see Deck. I had some thoughts even about Bonzi Colson because Maccabi all of a sudden are 11 and 7. Mm, all like, of a sudden. E- e- well, I mean, right. look at the circumstances yeah. they're dealing with, but they're still winning games, and Bonzi Colson has been really good. I would say that Wade Baldwin and Lorenzo Brown are kind of underperforming, but Bonzi Colson was very consistent alongside Josh Nebo. Uh, but Chimo Waneke has to be in the in the first, first team. And to me, okay, definitely I did not expect Chima to be in the first team all year like in the in after half of the season but Jan Vesely here as well the guy has been fantastic and and just you know Barcelona side really signed Willy it seemed like now Vesely's going to be a backup are they going to play some tall lineups with uh, with Vesely as a four nope he's been fantastic that 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 switch all defense by him the the those the, the offensive rebounds that you mentioned you know yeah. the tap backs and that's automatic mid-range, short mid-range that we already talked about. At the five position, he can roll, he can do this short pop, you know, to counter the, you know, the Mustafa Fall, the Walter Tavares. Absolutely, a lot of good centers to choose from, actually. But yeah, I think especially Mustafa Fall, Mustafa Ibaka, Fall, Ibaka, Matias Lazor, Tavares, Matias Lazor, Tavares. Some great uh, centers in the Euroleague. Vincent Poiré from October and November. <laughs> that one as well. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. but the first team, I think we agree with you, Ritis. Campazzo, Mike, Chima, Toko Shengelia, and Jan Vesely. Yeah. I don't know if our listeners agree to this, but to us too, it seems pretty It makes clear. a lot of sense. It makes me. a lot of sense. Yeah. But let's go with the second unit. This is where <laughs> I think it gets, oof, gets interesting. Oof, it's, it's so tough. Mm. So what do you what do you have here? Who do you have? I think Shane is a lock here. Shane Larkin is definitely Shane is lock. a lock. Shane is a lock. Well, who mm. who are you taking for the other guard spot? Is it Nikola Mirotic? <laughs> I mean, Mirotic could be here, but he missed, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. missed so many games because of injury. I mean, he could be here as a forward in the in the second team. Ooh, I I'm not about... I'm not considering him because of because of. Uh, Injuries and, and yeah, he, he will exactly. miss. He will miss a lot more games coming forward. So same reason. Same it, reason. It's going to be hard for him. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I wanted to bring someone from Partizan to this, and 
Kevin Ponder was also injured. He had a tough start of the season. I'm not going to put him in here. Although, I'm going to put in James Nunnally mm. for being so consistent. One of the members of all-time members of the 50-40-90 yeah. club. And right now he's a member of 60-44-90 club, whatever. I mean, Crazy his, number, he, his numbers are great. He has been very solid this, this season. Uh, he started the second part of the season <clears throat> with a mediocre performance versus Asphalt, but it doesn't count. We, we're, we're talking about the midway through the season, so the first 17 games, uh, he played all of them. He didn't miss a single game. Uh, he's also a good defender, so I don't know. I, maybe you you didn't consider him, but I I wanted uh, a partisan player, a perimeter player, to be here mm. in, in the second unit. I had a, I don't know. I chose Laprovitola. That also Shane, was, was Shane, a good option. It was it was between Keenan Evans and Laprovitola yeah. for the other guard spot. Spot. Yeah. <clears throat> Lapro has crazy good percentages. He has been the catalyst to that amazing Barcelona hot start. Yeah, mm, you know, just just playing playing freely, uh, playing fast, shooting threes, playing spectacular, doing Some Steph Curry like shots. Steph Curry like shots, and and just being the number one option for Barcelona. You know, and and basically carrying the team to to this record they have right now. Mm. Uh, we don't count the round 18 against Real Madrid, yep. but he also had a solid game there. So <clears throat> I think he deserves a lot of a lot of names deserve to be here. But I think uh, I'm happy with my Shane Larkin and La Provitola pick for the all team second all team backcourt. The front court. This is this is so tough. So tough. I didn't want to leave out some of these guys. I'm leaving out right now, but. So who Siobhan, are you? Siobhan Shields and Bonzi Carlson. For me, mm. I agree with Shields, but I I I was thinking between Alec Peters and Mitoglu. I go with Alec Peters. Yeah. Again, again, as I said, <clears> I'm <throat> leaving out Deck, leaving out Peters, leaving out Mitoglu. I don't feel good about it. But what are we gonna build a third all year league team? <laughs> yeah, somebody is just you know. Not everybody is going to be happy. Not everybody is going home with an award, but <laughs> you imagine, try, imaginative yeah. award. You, you try, try to your focus best. a bit, like, like, mm. let's say, on the team, whether they're winning or not. So Milan, you cannot say they're a winning team with 7 and 11, but Siobhan Shields um, has been great even in the games that they lost. So I think he has yeah. to be here. They're playing without Miritish for a while, uh, and he's playing almost 32 minutes per game. Fifth best scorer, um, solid percentages, 53, 46, 85. Yeah. Um, by the PER ranking, he's uh, number 10th, almost 18 uh, efficiency points per game. And uh, Alec Peters, to me, top eight in scoring, even better percentages, mm. 62 and 53 from the three-point line, 5.4 rebounds, it's like Vizenkov has never left the building, you know. And you know he's, what? It's it's the only difference been that uh, he's not left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, we didn't even mention Nigel Hayes-Davis. He's playing 34 minutes per game, leading Fenerbahce in points and in performance index rating and in minutes played and didn't miss a single game. 
started all of those games like but you know it's it, it's so hard it's only 10 spots in the two in the two teams and yeah. when you have like guys like alec peters he's averaging two points more than nigel hayes davis yep. and doing at that on 62 and 53 percentage yeah just judging by the numbers he you have to pick him i mean i i didn't i went with bonzi colson <clears throat> just maybe because of my uh personal uh let's say favoritism in this case but Alec Peters has to be here in general. Mm. And at center, I have Josh Nebu, another Maccabi player. He has been super solid. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think he gets enough recognition in the EuroLeague for how good That's he actually is. That's the best is. I have ever seen him. Even last season, Maccabi was a successful team. I, I cannot say he was that consistent. No, no, I agree. Um... It was super hard for me to choose between either Mustafa Fall, but I would still uh, Lazort, Ibaka, Tavares, Nebo. Uh, for so many the options, way he played, so options, I still think like what Mustafa Fall has been doing for Olympia Cause is, is is so important. He's averaging so many assists this season. And even though they have Milutinov, he's... Right, and everybody expected Milutinov to be the number one option. He's still dominating. But it's Mustafa Fall who's still dominating and you know, Olympia cosplayers look for him in the post with six seconds left on the shot clock because they know he could either create a score or they can pass to him. The defense could collapse and they can cut and get a basket off of that in the last five seconds. So that's to me a huge game changer. And even though I really wanted to squeeze in Josh Nebo here, but but I think Mustafa Fall is is mm. my choice. So, so I'm going. So I'm going with Olympia Cos. So we chose two Olympia Cos players. I chose two Maccabi players. You can from this you can see which which teams we prefer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Pau fans are going to say, "Hey, Matias Azor is averaging more points, more rebounds, and stuff like that." But he he's been great. So just as I said, you could have like five centers here in the second and un- second in other unit positions as well. I mean, like you look, I have Nanali, you you mm. have La Provitola, and you could you could choose even other players. You could build a lineup, let's say, where Shields is together with Peters and and Mitoglu or 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 Carlson. There's it's good that we have players to choose from. Yeah, we were. Uh, we completely agreed <clears throat> on the first All Euro League team in this on mid- mid-season awards, but in, in in the second we had some different options. And to finish the podcast, couple of bold predictions for twenty twenty four. Yeah, from each of us. What uh, do you have? My, it, it was it was pretty hard pretty hard for me. So actually, yeah, I I don't have these. anything sensational or anything controversial. Ah, this honestly. is this is what this is I, what I, we I, want I have... here. You know, this is what Donatas wants here. Some sensational I know, man. stuff. I know, man. But Some uh, Instagram reels material. I just don't have it in me this time. Come on, man. Now, not so, enough Red Bull this morning. I think it was enough. I don't know, man. <laughs> You tell me, what do you feel? Is it enough? Should I drink some more next time? No, no. I wasn't late today, though. You, you should right. appreciate that. Three minutes before. Three not, minutes before. I will write the not. I will write. <laughs> you tell him. He you was, tell him. He was, you tell he him how late. proud you are of me. Okay, I will do that. I will do that. Uh, okay, my first ball prediction is that uh, Fenerbahce Istanbul uh, will avoid the plane and there will be a team in the playoffs, in the top six with Shadas. Oh, 
I thought you were going even further with this. I'm not going to go further. I mean, home court advantage is doable. I'm not doing long shot predictions about the final four. But at the moment, to even get to the top six and avoid a plane is is a big achievement, I think. And knowing that the team changed the coach in, in during the season, um, it's not going to be easy. But I will put them above some of really good teams. See, this is where we were thinking kind of similarly, but I just went one step further. You went further. I had them in the final. I have them in the final four, okay. actually. Okay. This that, is... That's why I said I don't have any <laughs> controversial takes and you're here to help. More spice in, in yeah. this Fenerbahce. Yeah. I think they're, they're a final four team. Why? Mm. Because this is such a competitive EuroLeague. The gaps between teams are so thin. So many small details will decide if you are going to Final Four or not, if you are going to the playoffs. I believe in Jesikavich's uh, tactics, the way he prepares team. They have a lot of things to figure it out, right? The game against Cervantes as well as the show that. Like, they yeah. have to figure out their defense, their rotations, their energy, their how they make fouls before bonus, and all, all that stuff Jesikavich's will repeat every, every day. But I think in the playoffs, where the gaps between teams are so thin... Mm. And you have Virtus, Barcelona in the second or third spot. And let's say Fenerbahce arrives sixth, sixth or, or seventh. and uh, Or even, even higher. Who knows? It's not that far. I think when the gaps are so thin between teams, the details are going to decide who's going to the final four. And yeah. I think Sharuna Sesikavich has that in him. And he has the players around him that can give him flexibility to use whatever tactic he likes. So I really think uh, I'm going to be the Donatas of one year ago or two years ago where he said that Fenerbahce are going to the final. Well, now you should say two years ago because he did it before the 2022-2023 season. Yeah, it was since September 22. Just started. Yeah. It's it's he he said it in, before the last beginning yeah, of the last yeah, season. Yeah. I'm saying it now. Fenerbahce are going to the final four, and that's my bold first bold prediction. I okay. My second one is I would say a bit more doubtful. Uh, probably not too many people will agree with this, uh, but I'm just saying that Bayern Munich will be in the plane. Hmm. And my arguments are pretty simple. Uh, they're two wins away at the moment. Well, they're two wins away. It's not that much. Uh, Lucic is back. They, they're getting players back. Um, they have Serge Ibaka, who's been amazing so far this season. They have a good lineup, uh, a good roster. And they, they've they been really solid. And even in some of the games that they lost, like the last game versus Virtus Bologna, uh, they have experience, they have quality, they have everything, they have a good coach. And if they stay healthy, healthy, I believe they can do it because the schedule for them in the second part of the season, they play more at home than away. Uh, the away games that they have, not too many of them are in those like super tough atmospheres. Uh, I think they will have only Partizan in Stark Arena and uh, Fenerbahce in Istanbul. All the other games are pretty much doable. Uh, they will have this stretch of games where they play four games at home out of five. It will be uh, at the end of the January and beginning of February. So uh, I'm thinking, why not? Why can't they get the 10th seed? I believe they could push 
Valencia out of the top 10. That could be one of their targets. Basconia could be a team they they, they, they get in front of and, and get to the plane. Mm. I know that, that Armani mm. will be going for, for, for that spot. Vesda will be going for that spot. FS, so it will be really, really, really tough. But we're doing ball predictions, right? So that's something. So you think Valencia? I'm thinking they will be to... there uh, replacing Valencia in the top 10. Okay, that's interesting. Although uh, Valencia, again, yeah, it's, 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 you don't want to go against them now. They added Pangos. They're a good team. They have very solid defense, physicality, size, and everything. But just if you, if I have to pick a team from the current top 10, which Bayern Munich could replace, I mean, mm. I'm not going to go with Partizan or Monaco or Olympiacos or Panathinaikos okay. or Maccabi. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, that that one that one is going to be interesting to follow. Um, I don't really that strongly believe in it, but I had to say something, so <laughs> I had to bring something to the table. Um, mine is about not not about the teams, but actually about the head coaches. Okay. And I don't want to see that happening, but a half of the yearly coaches are going to be changed before the end of the season. I think we have six right now. Six coaching changes. Yeah, already. And uh, I think nine at least, mm. not not to say at least, but nine coaches, half of the coaches are going to be changed. You want to predict because, some names? You know, you have Poteco, mm. who is already in the rumor mill. Uh, Roger Grumau. Erdem John. Erdem John, although I, I really hope he's not changed. I, I, I don't hope for any of these guys, but it's just so many... History shows that it, it usually happens. There is there is not much patience. And as I mentioned before in this podcast, so many teams think they are playoff material. Mm. Like 16 teams think they are playoff material. So at least four or five or six are not going to be happy because they're not even in the play-in. And that's why that's the true. GMs are like, okay, we are need to change the coach. We can't change the players. We are going to change the coach. And maybe the Dushko effect is is going to help us. Or they insert the new name of the head coach. So Poceco, you know, Grimau, Svarofilus, Messina, Erdem Jan, as you mentioned. A lot of just just looking at the names that have been on the rumor mill and looking at the teams that are outside of the play-in. Uh, I'm not saying these coaches are doing a bad job. It's just that we have seen so many changes of the head coaching. So I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if any more of those happens. And mm. if nine coaches of 18 lose their job in one season, that would be a crazy, crazy number to me. 50% don't even finish the season. I don't know how right. possible that is, but we already have six and it's only New Year's. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, to finish to finish my predictions, <clears throat> my first like I have two predictions combined into one. So first of all, I expect Virtus Bologna to go down, but not uh, how dr- how down? N- not dramatically to stay in the top six, but go down, uh, lose the home court advantage. Maybe. But they still get to playoffs without playing. Yeah, but without home court advantage. Okay. Let's put it this way. Okay, okay. and. Um, I predict that Real Madrid in the second part of a regular season will lose five games or more. Okay. Because recently they, they they started uh, to deal with some injury problems. 
they actually ran away with some games like in the, they beat Asphalt by a single point a single point they were so close to losing that game now they they lost the El Clasico and and you know if it, some players will be out uh, if they will still have some of these problems they could start losing a game or two and then in the end of a regular season if they clinch the first seed let's say with two or three games left the the, the, the remaining games they will play on the um economy regime so say saving saving <laughs> players and they could lose some games there too so uh-huh. in general i expect them to not to break the euroleague record which is which uh, ha- which has how many games they have to win 29 and 30 i think fenerbahce had the record <clears throat> when there were 16 teams talking about winning percentage um so i, I think we calculated this i think yeah. it, it, they have to win 30 20 29 times or or 30 the number is let's is let's check 2021 2022 season barca only lost seven games barca yeah 2021 2022 season so it has they, to be more or tight i'm okay. saying they will lose five more game five games or more so mm. uh they will All not right. break the record they might match it that's, that's i had the um a prediction about real madrid as well that they're not going to win the euroleague even though they look unbeatable but it's also it's going to sound uh, like anti-real madrid podcast but it's not just i had a video about them recently that they're like an nba team in europe with the way they're playing they're just beautiful to watch one of my favorite team favorite team this season to watch but in a single elimination game they had so much luck last year i just think that at the end of the season, when you go to the single elimination games, somehow, some way, another team that's an underdog, that's going to be an underdog in the final four, let's say, are going to have some crazy luck, 17 mm. three-pointer game or whatever, and going to beat Real Madrid. I'm just saying my, uh, saving my playoff and final four predictions for the future. For playoffs. <laughs> I'm, I'm still focusing on the regular season. Just to okay, safe. then. But what you said is true. Mm. What you said is true is... This format is crazy. You can have the best year and and not win the title. Like Olympiacos last season was without a doubt the best team in the EuroLeague. Mm. Hey, Sergio. Uh, anyway, if we are talking only about the regular season, I have one last one. I think Partizan will be a top four lock at the end of this. Hard uh, to argue with that. They They have been fantastic. Yeah. Last year in the second part of the season, I think they have now with Caboclo and, you know, they have some injuries still. But with Caboclo, Lide, Kaminsky, Smilagic playing really good. Even Tristan Vukcevic is giving them really solid minutes. Uh, Punter is back after the injury. James Nunnally is always, you know, efficient. Uh, when Alexa will be back, but PJ Dozier... Yeah. So many weapons, so many guys, and in the second part of the season, they always play even better than than they have uh, done in the first part. So right now, they're only two wins away from the third spot, even. Yeah, only one win away from the fourth spot. So it's probably not even a bold prediction, but if if but if that's okay, then, uh, if, if if you want me to make this a bold prediction, I would even say they they could be a top two lock, like. So who who are the other mm. two teams for you in the top four? I think um, mm, that's a that's a great question. 
I think Madrid, Partizan. Well, of course. Madrid. Yeah. I think Barcelona. I'm going to go with Barca and Olympiacos. Olympiacos. The fourth one is a super tough one. I'm not so sure about Partizan, whether I'm putting them in the top four or not, but mm. I want to say Maccabi, but again, their circumstances are so tough. Uh, Monaco, maybe Monaco. So we still don't believe in Virtus remaining there, huh? No, I said top six. And if you give them that before yeah. the season, they would yeah. gladly accept it. Yeah. Where? Let's take it. <laughs> okay, to me, Madrid, mm. Barcelona, Olympiacos, and Monaco. Madrid. Was it the same top four last year? Madrid, Barcelona, Olympiacos. Yeah, Mon- yeah it was final four. Right. Final four, and they all had home court advantage in the playoffs. Yep. Wow, I'm so, bo- I'm so boring. <laughs> you just realized it. Sorry about that. that. You said the same things. Yeah. I think Real Madrid, Partizan, Barcelona, and I think Virtus stay there. Okay. I think Virtus stay there, Olympiacos and Panathinaikos, five and six. Although I would really want this matchup in the quarterfinal. Imagine so, the green So you're putting Maccabi and Monaco in the play-in and Fenerbahce as well mm-hmm. in the play-in? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm thinking... Mm, I'm thinking Pantanagas and Olympiacos are going to be somewhere near oh, around. Oh, okay, okay. I would want to see them four, uh, got, got the four and five matchup. To play the series. Yeah, but okay. five and six, I think it's going to be decided by tiebreakers or by yeah. one game. It's it's all between Pao, Olympiacos, Monaco, okay, Fenner. So to me, it kind of... Uh, I basically put all the six teams in, in, in the top six. So I said my top four, and then I said that Fenerbahce will avoid the plane, so I have them, mm-hmm. and I said that Virtus will not drop mm-hmm. down below six, so I have them as well. Okay, so you have Panathinaikos and Maccabi in the plane. In the plane. And Bayern Munich as well, instead of Valencia, as I said. Okay, and Maccabi in the plane. Too. Yeah, Maccabi, I'm, I'm so happy that they're winning games, but... I'm not sure how sustainable it is. It is tough for them. Yeah, and, and they're winning, like I said, without Wade Baldwin and Lorenzo Brown being as good as they mm. were last year. Right. Tamir Blood has been a huge help for them, actually. Anyway, right. probably it. it's time to wrap it up. Yep. I think, uh, yeah, so let us know in the comment section down below your opinions about midseason awards. Uh, thanks for watching. Don't forget to like the video, and we'll see you next week with Donatas here back in the studio or we will have an episode with eric donata still doesn't know that yet so you will get an episode but we're not sure what kind of episode yet you will get an episode so something something will be there on youtube right definitely see you guys next time